Hi, I'm Justin Kraft, host of Influence Now podcast, and today uh, I'm extremely excited to have this guest on with us today. Uh, the Dragon Chain, which is a, a blockchain technology uh, that I've actually had my eyes on for a while, and today we have Eileen Quinnen with us. Uh, Eileen, if you could go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll kick off by having you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of history on on uh, what Dragon Chain is and how it came about. Really? So um, thank you, Justin, and thank you for having me uh, into this podcast, and thank you all for listening. Much appreciated. So to give you a bit of background about myself, uh, Aline Quinnen, and I am the VP of Strategic Partnerships at Dragon Chain. I'm also the president of the Dragon Chain Foundation, which is a nonprofit. Um, my background, um, to kind of make it succinct, uh, I have a bachelor's in industrial design and a master's in human factors engineering. And the reason I go back to the the academic aspect of my career is because early on I had an interest and uh, worked with um, the idea of humans interacting with systems, human behavior. And human behavior to me bespeaks of things like incentivizing. Like why do you do the things you do? Why do you behave the way you behave? And that goes directly to, um, you know, incentivizing and de-incentivizing, which is in my mind very much what currency uh, regardless if you want to call that like the dollar or tokens or whatever is about. So I've had an interest in that from way back. As far as my professional career, um, I most recently before um, starting Dragon Chain with Joe Rotes and a number of other folks worked at Disney. So at the Walt Disney Company, uh, Joe, um, Brandon, Dylan, Alex, and I worked on the idea around blockchain. Uh, I had a real deep interest in the payment space and in fraud because I had previously uh, from Disney worked at Amazon in global payments and at LexisNexis, which is a company that creates software for like public records, anti-money laundering, uh, payment systems, software for the FBI and so forth. So at Disney, uh, this was probably about three years ago. I was fortunate enough to meet Joe, and the way that that happened was he had just come to the Walt Disney Company, and I was, uh, I don't know how to say it, like a, a huge enthusiast <laughs> about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and blockchain, and I sent out mass emails and said, hey, anybody in the company want to just like, hang out, have lunch, eat pizza, and just talk about space? And uh, Joe showed up, and a number of other folks showed up, and we just started to talk about it, uh, what could be done and what could uh, blockchain do for enterprises like the one that we were working at. And so what we did is we took part in what Disney has, uh, it's like hack days and innovation and that sort of thing. So we worked with um, these small groups uh, in an ad hoc fashion uh, over a period of time. So it was some, somewhat of a skunk work for quite a while, just slowly moving the idea and the software and the platform and use cases forward little by little by little. At a certain point in time, um, oh, you know what? I feel like I'm getting off track. So I'll stop right there. But having worked at Disney, prior to Disney, I worked at Big Fish Games, which is a gaming company uh, where I became familiar with virtual economies. Um, and as I said before, prior to that, I worked at Amazon and Global Payments. I worked a little bit with uh, the product Payphrase, gift cards, somewhat with Mechanical Turk. And then before that, at LexisNexis. So that's my background. So safe to say you're an expert on currency, all things currency. <laughs> I wouldn't say expert because I would have said the expert four years ago, but today I would definitely say <laughs> I've got lots to learn, but thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
You actually, I don't think you were too far off track because uh, part second half of that question being the history of Dragon Chain. And I think you were actually doing a great job of bringing us through the timeline of Dragon Chain. If you can maybe, per, you know, pull that forward a little bit, um, because most people, you know, they don't really associate Disney as this technology leader, um, how Dragon Chain came about. And you, you mentioned some of the people that you were meeting and how this went through and how did this really, how did, how did you guys discover a problem that you needed to, needed to be solved with this? And, and what did it, what did it take to kind of get there? And how, is that how Dragon Chain came about? Or can you give us a little color on Dragon Chain itself in that fashion? Or, you know, and, and that's a really great question. Um, because when you say, was there a problem that needed to be solved? Um, for me, uh, that was not how it happened. And when I do speak about uh, Dragon Chain and blockchain in general, I try and eschew that specific aspect because when you say things like, what problems does this solve? Um, it's sort of a self-limiting question. And the answer oftentimes, as it is with a lot of technologies, is, well, I already have something that I can use to do that. And it shuts off the conversation. For example, um, I worked at an insurance company like in the mid to late 90s, and that's when you know the internet <laughs> you know, come and coming. And I was really enthusiastic about that back then too. And similarly, so I was like, oh, you know, we get the internet, email, we do all these things. And they would say things like, well, you know, why do we need email? I have a fax machine. <laughs> you know? So uh, with that same analogy, trying to understand, you know, blockchain as a technology and uh, what are the, what's the nature of it? What kind of things does it do and what could it enable? And more than just solving a current problem, what things, new products can be built because of that. Because when you think about um, blockchain and when I do some of my talks, uh, I will say that blockchain for the first time gathered together the areas of cryptographic science, software, and game theory for the first time. And those things together are very unique and also the fact that it creates this marketplace. So that was sort of the understanding of a, wow, this is just a really interesting movement, not just like a technology, it was like a whole movement, a shift, right? And as such, the more I thought about um, companies and specifically the one that I was at, the use cases just sort of fell together. And each time we had one of these hack days, we would do a specific use case. I can't talk too much about the details of that, but suffice it to say that um, in an enterprise of any type, the kind of things that um, come about as beneficial to things like, mm, for instance, just simply audit, right? Just to audit a trail. When I say audit, meaning provable that a transaction happened. That has a legally binding aspect when used with blockchain because of the immutability, because of the transparency, because of the fact that it can't be altered. So that's a very straightforward one that you can think Gee, almost any company, enterprise, um, or situation would benefit from that. My belief is that, you know, within a few years, if an event, a transaction, whether it be monetary or a smart contract, or even just like this happened and I can prove it, people will be shocked that you didn't put that on the blockchain, right? You'll say like, you're kidding. Like, you didn't record that? Like, how do we know it happened, right? So audit. And then also things like reward points or loyalty points. Uh, many companies have this. And those types of reward points, loyalty points, they're sort of quasi-currency to begin with. And many companies um, deal with reward points, loyalty points, this quasi-currency. 
they don't deal with it really well necessarily. Not the specific company that I'm you know, talking about, but the industry as a whole um, struggles, right? Uh, there are issues about it not being used, breakage, fraud, um, and those kind of things. So when you think, okay, I have this quasi-currency, what if I were to tokenize it, make it a cryptocurrency, and make use of the facilitation aspects of blockchain? What can that do? So that was um, answers the question. But, you know, again, if I had phrased it, what problem does it solve? The things I mentioned um, are improved by, right? But, you know, I don't need that. Like I could say, oh, I have a database. You know, I don't need that. And I was like, well, that's true. You could use an Excel spreadsheet, right? Um, but can I have this legally binding aspect? And you might say, well, sure, there's um, – products out there that that have that proof, uh, maybe DocuSign, which I love DocuSign, it's a great company and a great product. But you might say, well, I, why do I need that immutable thing? I have DocuSign. Why do I need that? Because I already have a database, you know, like, why do I need that technology aspect? Um, but if you say, well, I have this legal aspect, the legal lens, I have the um, marketplace that's built in, this transaction economy that's built in with this, and I have the distributed nature of trust. So those things together are what's really important. Yeah, I think a better question for me would have been, uh, to correct myself, what is this enabling? And you guys do a great job on the white paper of kind of listing out what the benefits are and what this does enable, being the lower development costs and uh, faster speeds to market, uh, significantly higher security levels and scalability. Uh, I, would, I would like you to maybe to tell us a little bit about what is Dragon Chain as a definition and then getting into some of that enabling factor that Dragon Chain allows. So um, as we were talking before, Dragon Chain is a blockchain solution. It's an enterprise blockchain solution. And as such, it has the attributes that are um, inherent with blockchain, the immutability, the marketplace, the binding aspect, the inalterability of things. But it is architected such that it is um, scalable and useful for enterprises. And when I say that, I mean the aspect that it could be hybrid, both a public and a permissioned ledger, if you will. And that's fairly important because uh, there are some aspects of a company or a going concern where you would say, okay, well, I can put that in a smart contract and I use Ethereum, a public blockchain, which you could. However, that is still public and that smart contract is public. And as we know, there have been some smart contracts that have been hacked. Ethereum has not been hacked. Ethereum's great, but the smart contract, because of a flaw within the program itself, was hacked. So if you are a healthcare, banking, um, or an enterprise that's that's large, you would just not feel comfortable putting any of the data of that type out for the public. So with Dragon Chain, you have the permissioned aspect. So you have a blockchain that can be running within the permissioned area on certain levels of nodes. And then you could also peg it to uh, another blockchain could be another permission blockchain or say the Bitcoin blockchain or Ethereum blockchain. And <clears throat> when I say about the architecture itself, so I'll step back a little bit because you've read the white paper, but for those of you, those of you who have not, the architecture of Dragon Chain is multi-layered. So for the ease of description, I would call it like a blockchain of blockchains, right? So the first level, L1, would be just your normal vanilla blockchain. There's no currency built in. It's currency agnostic. If you wanted to have a currency, you could do that. But um, for the sake of ease, 
you know, you may not want to. So it comes with the level one nodes uh, in just that fashion. So for instance, I'm a company and I would have these level one nodes running internally in a few different departments, say. Uh, level two would be nodes that have more business logic that would describe how we're going to validate these transactions on a higher level or between, you know, in theory, trusted partners, say, um, I am a travel agency, but I also do business with uh, an airline. I trust them, but we're not necessarily sharing information and nor can we legally, but those individuals may be running these L2 nodes. And on the L3 level is where we would say, okay, in addition to the L1 nodes, uh, verifying the transactions at that level, it also has to run through these L2 with the business logic interspersed. And then in addition for me to say, yes, that, val that transaction is valid and I approve it and it's going to go on the chain, I would say in these level three nodes. And the level three nodes are like data center nodes. So I could say I have um, Dragon Chain running in AWS, in Azure, uh, on-premises, maybe Google Appliance, and I could determine to say it has to um, be validated in all three data centers or two of these data centers you know, for redundancy's sake. And once that happens, I could then go to L4, which would be I'm pegging it to the public blockchain or to maybe Ethereum, in which case I get that whole networking effect and hashing power at the largest scale. So these levels, L1, L2, L3, L4, are what Dragon Chain's essential elements are. And the reason that that's important is that our CEO, Joe Rhodes, the principal architect, has a deep background in system architecture, has a deep background in cryptocurrency and blockchain. And I think Ethereum is amazing. I really do. And I'm not a super technical person, but it, it does have its limitations. And I think if you follow the space, um, you know what some of those limitations are, right? The CryptoKitties kind of proves out the, the fact that that network um, got congested pretty, pretty quickly on a simple relatively simple app of these little cats, right? So if you're an enterprise, if you're an enterprise, you need a solution that's going to um, be more tunable and more secure and has a little bit more flexibility. Uh, because the folks who, um, from my understanding, created Ethereum, uh, they may not have had the advantages that Joe has of years of experience in system marketing. The same being true, if you are a system architect, you've been very good at your field, head downs in that, and you probably only recently woke up to blockchain. So it's very rare, and I think probably Joe is one among maybe like uh, five people, uh, seriously, uh, that have the kind of deep background in system architecture and security and software design and blockchain and Bitcoin. So that's why I think that we've done so well, and we're ahead of the curve, and we're poised very well in the market for a commercial release. Fantastic. A great explanation. And I'm going to add to that a little bit. For anybody that is listening, uh, I recommend getting the white paper. Uh, you guys have an amazing diagram explaining uh, the L1, L2, L3, L4, L5, um, kind of different layers there. I would also like to just take a step back a little bit and learn a little bit about, I guess, when when you guys are, are are doing this, you have a you mentioned earlier you had a, a you know reward incentivized incentivized system. So within this within this system, you guys have dragons, I believe is what you call it. Um, what and that's your token. How is that being utilized um, within this ecosystem 
to um, have developers on the platform and, and how that's how that works just for the audience. That's, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's a, a good point I can help clarify. So dragons are a token that uh, we created in order to allow developers to run uh, nodes on the dragon chain um, network and to have access to other things within the, the dragon chain enterprise, the marketplace, uh, special services there, as well as um, part of the dragon scale. So when we are saying the rewards use case, that is a specific um, use case that a company may want to deal with and incentivizing. So a company may say, okay, we uh, purchased dragons and we're going to use that to run our nodes. Um, and they may, in addition, say we're going to create our own currency that has a specific utility in itself in this maybe permissioned area. So let's just say for the sake of discussion, I um, want to incentivize behavior within a department that does these reward and loyalty points. I might, as a company, create my own currency, and I can, you can do that on Dragon Chain, right? Like you can create multiple currencies that have different behaviors. So I might create a currency that is facilitating the uh, change from, say, you know, I don't want to name anyone specific reward points because that'll put me in the hook and I'll be tipping my hand. But let's just say, I'm going to make it up. Let's just say there's a reward point called hearts, okay? So some company, you buy their products and you get hearts. So I want to change those hearts into uh, the product and get them off my books. Because even though these things are quasi-currencies in an accounting aspect, those are sort of deferred revenue. And if you're an accountant, you really want people to either use them or to get them off the books. So I might, as part of the company who's using Dragon Chain Enterprise Solution, create a currency that what it does is take my hearts, put them on a smart contract, lift them out of the system, and time them maybe for a specific use. So I could say um, to the customer, you have X now of hearts, and the customer could say, when I reach 10 hearts, go buy that airline ticket or buy me that ticket to the park when I reach X number amount. And that could trigger it because that way the customer doesn't have to keep track of them because people really don't look at the point. They don't go, oh, let me see how many I have, right? But the company would like you to use them. <laughs> so I could write a smart contract that did that. And by virtue of having done it in my system, the company that is, I would be putting them off the books in a sense, which is huge. Does that make sense? I know it's a specific use case and I've created the currency to do that, which is a separate thing from the dragon tokens themselves. Yeah, well, I think it, I think it just gives you it, it gives our audience actually a full understanding of the capabilities that could exist with this platform. That it's not just you know about a token like a you know a lot of ICOs out there. It's a lot about the token. This is really about the platform and about, about the platform because uh, dragons are akin to the way I, I describe it, analogous to like gas. In the same way as like you know, ether is like gas. You buy dragons to run nodes, right? You you buy it to to run them. Um, you have the dragons in order to uh, participate in other offerings that Dragon Chain Inc. has. Um, the other aspect of creating tokens are, are very straightforward. Same as like, you know, with Ethereum, you, anyone can create a token, right? Within the Dragon Chain um, blockchain solution, there are templates that allow you to create a currency of your own on Dragon Chain and give you the opportunity to write a smart contract that allow that token to have specific behaviors, one of which might be as I just described. Um, and what's really interesting about this point, I want to make it clear because I often forget, is that 
the smart contract that could be written using the Dragon Chain Enterprise solution is unique in that you could write it in uh, a number of different languages that you prefer. Uh, let loss, right? But I know it's like C, C plus plus, Java, Python. I, so, I, <laughs> I'm getting cute. I actually have it in front of me. Just give me one second. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Java, Python, Node, C, um, and Go. Thank you, mm-hmm. and uh, really appreciate that. I kind of need those at my disposal. But um, so in as opposed to with Ethereum, you would have to learn Solidity in order to do that, and it's not it's not trivial, right? I mean, there's there's a lot to becoming a Solidity programmer. So there's other things you would also have to learn the you know economics and the currency of Ether in order to write some of these smart contracts. Same for Bitcoin. Like you have to understand the economy of Bitcoin to write applications that will run on the public blockchain. Uh, whereas with Dragon Chain, you could have this, you know, vanilla level blockchain because you may have a use case that really doesn't involve an economy that doesn't involve a currency. It might just do something simple to audit. So that's another huge benefit of understanding what enterprises need and understanding the the need for the levels and the scalability and the use case and that need for creating a token within the enterprise that has a specific use case and can interconnect and work within that economy. That's fantastic. I, I think you've done a great job explaining this, Eileen. I, I, I only have one real follow-up question to this. You mentioned you do have some use cases out there. Uh, how widely in practice is Dragon Chain now at this point? Well, the open source version is out there. And to be honest, the open source is, is pretty, you know... Um, useful but it's it's small i mean we have a few folks running like the the nodes and they've got some interesting use cases one of the uh folks in our telegram channel has a little game that's kind of like the old time cow clicker i don't know if you remember that like basically you click on and it it generates a a little um creature so it's just kind of pops those up uh so people are using it working on it or dragon chain academy that way as far as the commercial um aspect i can speak to the use cases i can't speak to the companies that are using it right now because those are under nda um, but the core platform is complete and it is available for folks who have a certain uh, slumber score. And I can talk a little bit more about what that means, but it's out there. Uh, people can, you know, build things on it. They already are uh, building different pieces. And as far as the clients that, or like, I don't know if I say preferred, but people who we've been working with for a while that have specific use cases, um, one uh, I can talk about, but not the company that has it, until maybe later today, uh, is a wallet. So if I were to say in a, a gaming environment, I want to be able to do certain things within the game, earn tokens uh, that are part of game activity. I haven't like, you know, gambled them or whatever. And once I have that wallet within that game, we can have a smart contract that lays on the Dragon Chain network, allowing it to transfer from one of those areas to the next. And then if you want to pass it to, say, uh, my Ether wallet, that's possible. So just a very simple wallet that does transactions in a very specific guarded way. Wow. There are, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm impressed by Dragon Chain. <laughs> so, you guys I mean, would, it's actually really interesting. The reason that we could do that wallet aspect is because of the, um, the hybrid part, where right? It's public, private, hybrid, and then it can connect to a public blockchain, if you will. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You guys, it's so many different directions. This platform seems just extremely versatile. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I think we're about out of time today. So I'm going to wrap this up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, we're going to actually be talking to you again, Eileen, next week. Um, so our, our listeners will have a follow-up uh, discussion with Eileen. And uh, I actually recommend if anyone does have any questions that they do submit those to us into our podcast um, maybe we can ask Eileen when we see her in person. Um, we're going to be at the Global Blockchain Summit um, in the Denver, Colorado area. And uh, is there um, any contact information you want to provide? Um, I, I do recommend downloading the white paper for sure, and we will have your website clearly on all of the material. Um, but what kind of contact information would you like to provide, and where can people reach you or follow uh, Dragon Chain? So as you say, uh, dragonchain.com, you'll find quite a bit of information there, um, technical as well as marketing. Uh, if you want to contact me, a good way to do so is uh, Twitter. So it's E Quinnin, E Q U E N I N. I actually spend quite a bit of time on Twitter or LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, I'm Eileen Quinnin, which is Q U E N I N. My Twitter is E Q U E N I N. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty good about responding. Uh, like I said, I spend quite a bit of time on LinkedIn, Twitter, and I'm all over Telegram under E Q U E N I N as well. Fantastic. Uh, thank you for so much for your time today. Uh, this has been a great conversation, Eileen. I think it's going to introduce a lot of people to this platform if they haven't already heard of it. I know around the blockchain space, you guys are pretty wide known already. And uh, we're excited to talk to you again next week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Hi, I'm Justin Kraft, host of Influence Now podcast. And today uh, I'm extremely excited to have this guest on with us today. Uh, the Dragon Chain, which is a, a blockchain technology uh, that I've actually had my eyes on for a while. And today we have Eileen Quinnen with us. Uh, Eileen, if you could go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll kick off by having you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of history on on uh, what Dragon Chain is and how it came about. So um, thank you, Justin, and thank you for having me uh, into this podcast. And thank you all for listening. Much appreciated. So to give you a bit of background about myself... Uh, Aline Quinnen, and I am the VP of Strategic Partnerships at Dragon Chain. I'm also the president of the Dragon Chain Foundation, which is a nonprofit. Um, my background, um, to kind of make it succinct, uh, I have a bachelor's in industrial design and a master's in human factors engineering. And the reason I go back to the, the academic aspect of my career is because early on, I had an interest and uh, worked with um, the idea of humans interacting with systems human behavior. And human behavior to me bespeaks of things like incentivizing. Like why do you do the things you do? Why do you behave the way you behave? And that goes directly to, um, you know, incentivizing and de-incentivizing, which is in my mind, very much what currency, uh, regardless if you want to call that like the dollar or tokens or whatever is about. So I've had an interest in that from way back. As far as my professional career, um, I most recently, before um, starting Dragon Chain with Joe Rotes and a number of other folks, worked at Disney. So at the Walt Disney Company, uh, Joe, um, Brandon, Dylan, Alex, and I worked on the idea around blockchain. Uh, I had a real deep interest in the payment space and in fraud because I had previously uh, from Disney, worked at Amazon in Global Payments and at LexisNexis, which is a company that creates software for like public records, anti-money laundering, uh, 
payment systems, software for the FBI, and so forth. So at Disney, uh, this was probably about three years ago, I was fortunate enough to meet Joe. And the way that that happened was he had just come to the Walt Disney Company. And I was, uh, I don't know if I have to say it, like a, a huge enthusiast <laughs> about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and blockchain. And I sent out mass emails and said, hey, anybody in the company want to just like, hang out, have lunch, eat pizza, and just talk about space? And uh, Joe showed up and a number of other folks showed up. And we just started to talk about it, uh, what could be done and what could uh, blockchain do for enterprises like the one that we were working at. And so what we did is we took part in what Disney has, uh, it's like hack days and innovation and that sort. So we worked with um, these small groups uh, in an ad hoc fashion uh, over a period of time. So it was some, somewhat of a skunk work for quite a while, just slowly moving the idea and the software and the platform and use cases forward little by little by little. At a certain point in time, um, oh, you know what? I feel like I'm getting off track. So I'll stop right there. But having worked at Disney, prior to Disney, I worked at Big Fish Games, which is a gaming company uh, where I became familiar with virtual economies. Um, and as I said before, Prior to that, I worked at Amazon and Global Payments. I worked a little bit with uh, the product Payphrase, gift cards, somewhat with Mechanical Turk. And then before that, at LexisNexis. So that's my background. So safe to say you're an expert on currency, all things currency. <laughs> I wouldn't say expert because I would have said the expert four years ago, but today I would definitely say <laughs> I've got lots to learn, but thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you actually, I don't think you were too far off track because uh, part second half of that question being the history of Dragon Chain. And I think you were actually doing a great job of bringing us through the timeline of Dragon Chain. If you can maybe, per, you know, pull that forward a little bit, um, because most people, you know, they don't really associate Disney as this technology leader, um, how Dragon Chain came about. And you, you mentioned some of the people that you were meeting and how this went through and how did this really, how did, how did you guys discover a problem that you needed to, needed to be solved with this? And, and what did it, what did it take to kind of get there? And how, is that how Dragon Chain came about? Or can you give us a little color on Dragon Chain itself in that fashion? Or, you know, and, and that's a really great question. Um, because when you say, was there a problem that needed to be solved? Um, for me, uh, that was not how it happened. And when I do speak about uh, Dragon Chain and blockchain in general, I try and eschew that specific aspect because when you say things like, what problems does this solve? Um, it's sort of a self-limiting question. And the answer oftentimes, as it is with a lot of technologies, is, well, I already have something that I can use to do that. And it shuts off the conversation. For example, um, I worked at an insurance company like in the mid to late 90s, and that's when you know the internet, <laughs> you know, coming and I was really enthusiastic about that back then too and similarly so I was like oh you know we get the internet email do all these things and they would say things like well you know why do we need email I have a fax machine <laughs> you know so uh, with that same analogy trying to understand you know blockchain as a technology and uh, what are the what's the nature of it what kind of things does it do and what could it enable and more than just solving a current problem, what things, new products can be built because of that. Because when you think about um, blockchain, and when I do some of my talks, uh, I will say that blockchain, for the first time, gathered together the areas of cryptographic science, software, and game theory for the first time. 
And those things together are very unique. And also the fact that it creates this marketplace. So that was sort of the understanding of, like, wow, this is just a really interesting movement, not just like a technology. It was like a whole movement, a shift, right? And as such, the more I thought about um, companies and specifically the one that I was at, the use cases just sort of fell together. And each time we had one of these hack days, we would do a specific use case. I can't talk too much about the details of that, but suffice it to say that um, in an enterprise of any type, the kind of things that um, come about as beneficial to things like, mm, for instance, just simply audit, right? Just to audit a trail. When I say audit, meaning provable that a transaction happened. That has a legally binding aspect when used with blockchain because of the immutability, because of the transparency, because of the fact that it can't be altered. So that's a very straightforward one that you can think, gee, almost any company, enterprise, um, or situation would benefit from that. My belief is that, you know, within a few years, if an event, a transaction, whether it be monetary or a smart contract, or even just like this happened and I can prove it, people will be shocked that you didn't put that on the blockchain, right? You'll say like, you're kidding, like you didn't record that? Like, how do we know it happened, right? So audit, and then also things like reward points or loyalty points. Uh, many companies have this and those types of reward points, loyalty points, they're sort of quasi-currency to begin with. And many companies um, deal with reward points, loyalty points, this quasi-currency they don't deal with it really well necessarily, not the specific company that I'm you know, talking about, but the industry as a whole um, struggles, right? Uh, there are issues about it not being used, breakage, fraud, um, and those kind of things. So when you think, okay, I have this quasi-currency, what if I were to tokenize it, make it a cryptocurrency, and make use of the facilitation aspects of blockchain? What can that do? So that was um, answers a question, but you know, again, if I had phrased it, what problem does it solve? The things I mentioned um, are improved by, right? But, you know, I don't need that. Like I could say, oh, I have a database. You know, I don't need that. And I was like, well, that's true. You could use an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> right? Um, but can I have this legally binding aspect? And you might say, well, sure, there's um, products out there that, that have that proof, uh, maybe DocuSign, which I love DocuSign. It's a great company and a great product. But you might say, well, I, why do I need that immutable thing? I have DocuSign. Why do I need that? Because I already have a database. You know, like Why do I need that technology aspect? Um, but if you say, well, I have this legal aspect, the legal lens, I have the um, marketplace that's built in, this transaction economy that's built in with this, and I have the distributed nature of trust. So those things together are what's really important. Yeah, I think a better question for me would have been, uh, to correct myself, what is this enabling? And you guys do a great job on the white paper of kind of listing out what the benefits are and what this does enable, being the lower development costs and uh, faster speeds to market, uh, significantly higher security levels and scalability. Uh, I, would, I would like you maybe to tell us a little bit about what is Dragon Chain as a definition and then getting into some of that enabling factor that Dragon Chain allows. So um, as we were talking before, Dragon Chain is a blockchain solution. It's an enterprise blockchain solution. And as such, it has the attributes that are um, inherent with blockchain, the immutability, the marketplace, the 
binding aspect, the inalterability of things, but it is architected such that it is um, scalable and useful for enterprises. And when I say that, I mean the aspect that it could be hybrid, both a public and a permissioned ledger, if you will. And that's fairly important because uh, there are some aspects of a company or going concern where you would say, okay, well, I can put that in a smart contract and I use Ethereum, a public blockchain, which you could. However, that is still public and that smart contract is public. And as we know, there have been some smart contracts that have been hacked. Ethereum has not been hacked. Ethereum is great, but the smart contract, because of a flaw within the program itself, was hacked. So if you are a healthcare, banking, um, or an enterprise that's that's large, you would just not feel comfortable putting any of the data of that type out for the public. So with Dragon Chain, you have the permissioned aspect. So you have a blockchain that can be running within the permissioned area on certain levels of nodes. And then you could also peg it to uh, another blockchain, could be another permissioned blockchain, or say the Bitcoin blockchain or Ethereum blockchain. And <clears throat> when I say about the architecture itself, so I'll step back a little bit because you've read the white paper, but for those of you, those of you who have not, the architecture of Dragon Chain is multi-layered. So for the ease of description, I would call it like a blockchain of blockchains, right? So the first level, L1, would be just your normal vanilla blockchain. There's no currency built in. It's currency agnostic. If you wanted to have a currency, you could do that. But um, for the sake of ease, you know, you may not want to. So it comes with the level one nodes uh, in just that fashion. So for instance, I'm a company and I would have these level one nodes running internally in a few different departments, say. Uh, level two would be nodes that have more business logic that would describe how we're going to validate these transactions on a higher level or between, you know, in theory, trusted partners, say, um, I am a travel agency, but I also do business with uh, an airline. I trust them, but we're not necessarily sharing information and nor can we legally, but those individuals may be running these L2 nodes. And on the L3 level is where we would say, okay, in addition to the L1 nodes, uh, verifying the transactions at that level, it also has to run through these L2 with the business logic interspersed. And then in addition for me to say, yes, that, val that transaction is valid and I approve it and it's going to go on the chain, I would say in these level three nodes. And the level three nodes are like data center nodes. So I could say I have... Um, Dragon Chain running in AWS, in Azure, uh, on-premises, maybe Google Appliance, and I could determine to say it has to um, be validated in all three data centers or two of these data centers you know, for redundancy's sake. And once that happens, I could then go to L4, which would be I'm pegging it to the public blockchain or to maybe Ethereum, in which case I get that whole networking effect and hashing power at the largest scale. So these levels... L1, L2, L3, L4 are what Dragon Chain's essential elements are. And the reason that that's important is that our CEO, Joe Rhodes, the principal architect, has a deep background in system architecture, has a deep background in cryptocurrency and blockchain. And I think Ethereum is amazing. I really do. And I'm not a super technical person, but it, it does have its limitations. And I think if you follow the space... Um, you know what some of those limitations are, right? The CryptoKitties kind of proves out the, the fact that that network um, got congested pretty pretty quickly on a simple, relatively simple app of these little cats, right? 
So if you're an enterprise, if you're an enterprise, you need a solution that's going to um, be more tunable and more secure and has a little bit more flexibility. Uh, because the folks who, um, from my understanding, created Ethereum, uh, they may not have had the advantages that Joe has of years of experience in system architecture. The same being true, if you are a system architect, you've been very good at your field, head downs in that, and you probably only recently woke up to blockchain. So it's very rare, and I think probably Joe is one among maybe like uh, five people, uh, seriously, uh, that have the kind of deep background in system architecture and security and software design and blockchain and Bitcoin. So that's why I think that we've done so well and we're ahead of the curve and we're poised very well in the market for a commercial release. Fantastic. Um, great explanation. And I'm going to add to that a little bit. For anybody that is listening, uh, I recommend getting the white paper. Uh, you guys have an amazing diagram explaining uh, the L1, L2, L3, L4, L5, um, kind of different layers there. I would also like to just take a step back a little bit and learn a little bit about, I guess, when when you guys are, are, are doing this, you have a, you mentioned earlier, you had a, a you know, reward incentivized system. So within this, within this system, you guys have dragons, I believe is what you call it. Um, what, and that's your token. How is that being utilized um, within this ecosystem to um, have developers on the platform and, and how that's, how that works just for the audience? That's, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's a, a good point I can help clarify. So dragons are a token that uh, we created in order to allow developers to run uh, nodes on the Dragon Chain um, network and to have access to other things within the, the Dragon Chain enterprise, the marketplace, uh, special services there, as well as um, part of the Dragon scale. So when we are saying the rewards use case, that is a specific um, use case that a company may want to deal with and incentivizing. So a company may say, okay, we are... Uh, purchase dragons, and we're going to use that to run our nodes. Um, and they may, in addition, say, we're going to create our own currency that has a specific utility in itself in this maybe permissioned area. So let's just say for the sake of discussion, I um, want to incentivize behavior within a department that does these reward and loyalty points. I might, as a company, create my own currency, and I can, you can do that on Dragon Chain, right? Like you can create multiple currencies that have different behaviors. So I might create a currency that is facilitating the uh, change from, say, you know, I don't want to name anyone specific reward points because that'll put me in the hook and I'll be tipping my hand. But let's just say, I'm going to make it up. Let's just say there's a reward point called hearts, okay? So some company, you buy their products and you get hearts. So I want to change those hearts into uh, the product and get them off my books because, even though these things are quasi-currencies in an accounting aspect, those are sort of deferred revenue. And if you're an accountant, you really want people to either use them or to get them off the books. So I might, as part of the company who's using Dragon Chain Enterprise Solution, create a currency that what it does is take my hearts, put them on a smart contract, lift them out of the system, and time them maybe for a specific use. So I could say... Um, to the customer, you have X now of hearts. 
And a customer could say, when I reach 10 hearts, go buy that airline ticket or buy me that ticket to the park when I reach X number amount. And that could trigger it because that way the customer doesn't have to keep track of them because people really don't look at the point. They don't go, oh, let me see how many I have, right? But the company would like you to use them. (laughs) So I could write a smart contract that did that. And by virtue of having done it in my system, the company that is, I would be putting them off the books in a sense, which is huge. Does that make sense? I know it's a specific use case and I've created the currency to do that, which is a separate thing from the dragon tokens themselves. Yeah, well, I think it, I think it just gives you, it, it gives our audience actually a full understanding of the capabilities that could exist with this platform, that it's not just, you know, about a token, like, a lot, you know, a lot of ICOs out there, it's a lot about the token. This is really about the platform. And about-, about the platform, because uh, dragons are akin to, the way I, I describe it, analogous to like gas, the same way as like you know, ether is like gas. You buy dragons to run nodes, right? You you buy it to to run them. Um, you have the dragons in order to uh, participate in other offerings that Dragon Chain Inc. has. Um, the other aspect of creating tokens are, are very straightforward. Same as like you know with Ethereum, you, anyone can create a token, right? Within the Dragon Chain. Um, blockchain solution, there are templates that allow you to create currency of your own on Dragon Chain and give you the opportunity to write a smart contract that allow that token to have specific behaviors, one of which might be as I just described. Um, And what's really interesting about this point, I want to make it clear because I often forget, is that the smart contract that could be written using the Dragon Chain Enterprise solution is unique in that you could write it in uh, a number of different languages that you prefer. Uh, let loss, right? But I know it's like C, C plus plus, Java, Python. I, so, I, <laughs> I'm being cute. I actually, I actually have it in front of me. Just give me one second. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Java, Python, Node, C, um, and Go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, really <laughs> appreciate that. I kind of need those at my disposal. But um, so in as opposed to with Ethereum, you would have to learn Solidity in order to do that. And it's not, it's not trivial, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot to becoming a Solidity programmer. So there's other things you would also have to learn the you know, economics and the currency of Ether in order to write some of these smart contracts. Same for Bitcoin. Like you have to understand the economy of Bitcoin to write applications that will run on the public blockchain. Uh, whereas with Dragon Chain, you could have this you know, vanilla level blockchain, because you may have a use case that really doesn't involve an economy that doesn't involve a currency. It might just do something simple to audit. So that's another huge benefit of understanding what enterprises need and understanding the the need for the levels and the scalability and the use case and that need for creating a token within the enterprise that has a specific use case and can interconnect and work within that economy. That's fantastic. I, I think you've done a great job explaining this, Eileen. I, I, can, I only have one real follow-up question to this. You mentioned you do have some use cases out there. Uh, how widely in practice is Dragon Chain now at this point? Well, the open source version is out there. And to be honest, the open source is, is pretty, you know, um, it's useful, but it's it's small. I mean, we have a few folks running like the, the nodes and they've got some interesting use cases. One of the uh, folks in our Telegram channel has a little game that's kind of like the old time cow clicker. I don't know if you remember that. Like basically you click on and it, it generates a, a little um, creature. So it's just kind of pops those up. Uh, so people are using it, working on it or Dragon Chain Academy in that way. As far as the commercial um, 
aspect. I can speak to the use cases. I can't speak to the companies that are using it right now because those are under NDA. Um, but the core platform is complete and it is available for folks who have a certain uh, slumber score. And I can talk a little bit more about what that means, but it's out there. Um, people can you know, build things on it. They already are uh, building different pieces. And as far as the clients that, or like, I don't know what I say preferred, but people who we've been working with for a while that have specific use cases, um, one uh, I can talk about, but not the company that has it until maybe later today, uh, is a wallet. So if I were to say in a, a gaming environment, I want to be able to do certain things within the game, earn tokens uh, that are part of game activity. I haven't like, you know, gambled them or whatever. And once I have that wallet within that game, we can have a smart contract that lays on the Dragon Chain network, allowing it to transfer from one of those areas to the next. And then if you want to pass it to, say, uh, my Ether wallet, that's possible. So just a very simple wallet that does transactions on a very specific guarded way. Wow. There are, uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm impressed by Dragon Chain. <laughs> so, you guys I mean, really it's that. actually really interesting. The reason that we could do that wallet aspect is because of the, um, the hybrid part, where it's public, private, hybrid, and then it can connect to a public blockchain, if you will. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You guys, it's so many different directions. This platform seems just extremely versatile. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, I think we're about out of time today. So I'm going to wrap this up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, we're going to actually be talking to you again, Eileen, next week. Um, so our, our listeners will have a follow-up uh, discussion with Eileen. And uh, I actually recommend if anyone does have any questions that they do submit those to us into our podcast um, maybe we can ask Eileen when we see her in person. Um, we're going to be at the Global Blockchain Summit um, in the Denver, Colorado area. And uh, is there um, any contact information you want to provide? Um, I, I do recommend downloading the white paper for sure, and we will have your website clearly on all of the material. Um, but what kind of contact information would you like to provide, and where can people reach you or follow uh, Dragon Chain? Sure. So as you say, uh, dragonchain.com, you'll find quite a bit of information there, um, technical as well as marketing. Uh, if you want to contact me, a good way to do so is uh, Twitter. So it's E Quinnin, E Q U E N I N. I actually spend quite a bit of time on Twitter or LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. Again, I'm Eileen Quinnin, which is Q U E N I N. My Twitter is E Q U E N I N. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty good about responding. Uh, like I said, I spend quite a bit of time on LinkedIn, Twitter, and I'm all over Telegram under E Q U E N I N as well. Fantastic. Uh, thank you for so much for your time today. Uh, this has been a great conversation, Eileen. I think it's going to introduce a lot of people to this platform if they haven't already heard of it. I know around the blockchain space, you guys are pretty wide known already. And uh, we're excited to talk to you again next week. Thank you, Justin. Thank you.